Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hi hi my name is aldam and my twin brother's name is adam he and i are like two peas in a pod only our lives are different completely different Until recently, we didn't even know each other existed. I grew up in a poor family, living with my father. Dad worked as a loader and construction worker when he had to. It all depended on the season. I helped him as much as I could on the construction site. But Dad always reminded me that I had more important things to do, my studies. He dreamed that I would go to college, get a good education, and live a better life than he did. My dad is great. He's very simple and always understood me especially after my mum died. Honestly, I don't remember her at all because she died in childbirth. But I have pictures of her, one even when she was pregnant. I always wondered how big her womb was because my mum's tummy was big. My dad and I especially loved going through the family album. Dad has never been married since then. Sometimes he would drink and cry, very long and bitterly. At such times, he would ask to be left alone. But I often heard him asking her forgiveness for something, talking to her, apparently with her picture and repenting. I thought maybe they had a fight and he didn't have time to make up with her. Or maybe something happened. I couldn't think at the time what was behind those words of forgiveness. Sometimes I used to talk to my mum too. I felt like she was answering. Sometimes, in the middle of the night, when I was laying in bed and couldn't sleep, I thought she wanted to talk to me. Sometimes I could feel her feeling bad, sad or anxious. I tried to send her the signal that I loved her even though I didn't know her personally. My dad and I would visit her grave and take care of her. That's how we lived. One day, my father came home very upset. He sat down at the table and reported that things were bad at work. The order was almost finished and there was no one new. There's a winter coming. We're going to have higher electricity and heating bills. Honestly, I don't even know how we're going to live, he said. I saw how embarrassed he was. I tried to calm him down. And then I told him that we will get through this, promising to help. For example, by shoveling snow from the yards for money to anyone who wants it. You don't have to do that. You're just a teenager. But I'm not a baby, so I can do it, Dad. Thank you, son. It would have been cool if I had a brother or a little brother. Ah, why would you say that? Well, the two of us would want to help you. It would be faster and more fun together. Or I could teach him how to cook and he could cook us dinner. Ah, well, yeah, maybe. Okay, Dad. You go get some rest. I'll do the dishes and go to bed too. 
That was the end of the conversation, and so was Dad's job a month later. With the first snow, I grabbed a shovel in my hands and cleared the yards or my neighbor's cars, getting up early in the morning before school to get everything done. Sometimes I also did it by the fans. It wasn't much money at all, but it was better than nothing. After a couple of weeks, we got lucky. A friend of my dad's came running in and said she had found a job for me and my dad. It was just as my school was starting its winter break. She said that a new family had come in three blocks away, and they needed repairs inside the house for a good fee, so we could get everything done before Christmas. We were very excited, and we agreed. The very next day, we got to work. There wasn't much to do, so it was just a joy. There were only servants there, and the house was bought by a married couple. It turned out that they were still in Europe, but had to come straight to the new house for Christmas. The work was boiling. We were all fed and paid too. By Christmas, we had almost finished everything. There were just a few small things left. Then my friends asked me to go for a walk around town for Christmas, and my dad let me go. We had a great time, bought gifts for the family, and then a very nice, expensive car rolled into town. Everyone paid attention to it. I went to the bathroom while my friends were waiting outside the store, and when I came out, they were gone. I thought it was a prank, looked for them, but they were nowhere to be found. I called Tom and he said he had something to show me. I walked around the building and saw the guy standing by the car whispering. What's going on? The guy who owns the car, he's just like you. Are you kidding me? I'm serious, he looks exactly like you. Well, sometimes people look alike. They don't look exactly alike. All right, I hear you, let's go home. When we walked away, I turned my head and saw the guy come out of the store and get in the car. I was surprised then, how much he looked like me. I went to my dad and we went home. I'll have to be there tomorrow morning to finish some things. But it's Christmas tomorrow. Yeah, I know, but it's half an hour. You can stay home. I'll do it and I'll be there. No, I'll go with you. I don't want to be home alone, I told my father. And the next Christmas morning, we went to work together. In the yard of the house, I saw that very car and realized that it was the owner's son. I went to the bathroom for a while, and when I got to the room where Dad was working, I heard Dad talking to someone. What are you wearing? Come on, take it off. What? What are you talking about? Who are you? Look, this is no time for jokes. I'm serious. Take off that robe. What for? Where did you get it? In the room. What are you doing in other people's rooms? Excuse me? Cheese, who are you? Adam, stop it. I'm Adam. I was very confused by their conversation and walked into the room and was shocked. The three of us looked at each other and didn't understand what was going on. My face and this Adam's face went pale and my father passed out and collapsed on the floor. The maid came running in and with her Adam's father and mother. They also froze and staggered. We were all silent as my father came to his senses. I was so excited I wanted to run away. But Adam's parents asked me to stay and discuss something. Adam's mum sat us down in the kitchen and said that she and her husband and my dad had something to talk about. But then my dad got all teary-eyed and started making some kind of slurred speech. We, we knew right away that we were having twins. Two boys. May had waited and dreamed so much for these babies. But the birth was too hard. She lost a lot of blood and couldn't be saved. And I, I had no idea how to handle two. Adam's mum suddenly interrupted him and continued the story. I was running around the hospitals that day, getting another doctor's refusal to get pregnant. I hadn't been able to get pregnant for years, and I had been dreaming so much. 
and suddenly I saw your father. He was holding you in his arms. You were crying so hard, asking for food, and he was sitting on the floor just crying. I volunteered to help, and two weeks later, I talked your daddy into giving us one of the boys. I wanted to take the two of you, but... And my father interrupted again. But your mother wouldn't forgive me. All these years I've been living with guilt about what I did, but I wouldn't have been able to feed two. Forgive me, sons. Adam and I sat against each other and didn't utter a word. We were in shock. I understood my father, his decision, and his fear. It was worse for Adam. He didn't know he was adopted. A little later, he got in the car and drove away. We wanted to leave, but Adam's mum talked us into eating Christmas dinner with them. I couldn't get a bite in my throat, but I knew it was necessary for dad. I went out of the yard to get some air and saw Adam's car. I found him inside, and I asked to get in the car. We were silent at first, and then he started on his own. I found the paperwork before I came out, found out I was adopted. I felt bad, really bad. I flew here and made a wish to find my parents. Are you mad at father? I was angry at first, but when I found out that he did it out of need and not because I was bad, I was... Relieved? Yeah, I also wished I'd had a brother. I think I felt you. Sometimes I got really sad, especially the last few days. I guess it's because of me. We're twins, but I'm glad I found you. We went back to the house together and decided to spend Christmas together too. After a couple of hours, the mood improved and we tried to live it all out together. We welcomed the new year and we decided we were going to communicate. Adam was still the son of that couple anyway, especially since he lived better than we did. We decided to leave things as they were, just to communicate more closely. But I was glad to have a brother after all. We got each other for Christmas. Hello everyone, my name is Tom. At first you will think that my story is more like going to the movies, but unfortunately, this is a harsh reality, and I would like to share it with you. Since I can't tell anyone else about it, especially those who once knew me, I started life with a clean slate and there were good reasons for that. Now I will tell you more. From the very beginning, my life was hectic. The fact is that I grew up in terrible conditions. My father left my mother when he first found out that she was pregnant. My mother, Phoebe, was very worried about it, so she said, We have no relatives. There was no one to help us. All we had was a small apartment that Phoebe inherited from her dead parents. Don't be surprised that I call her by her first name. It's just easier for me. My mother did not have a high sense of motherhood. I remember once, when I was four years old, she left for a few days somewhere, without even saying where. I was locked in the house alone, leaving no food or water. I had to eat what I found, toothpaste, something from the trash, I drank my own urine, and when on the third day I was already completely exhausted on the kitchen floor, she arrived. I think if my mother and I hadn't happened to have a neighbor drop by that day, she wouldn't have done anything and left me on the floor. But our neighbor, Mrs. Friendly, is an old grandmother, and she took me to the hospital. My mother was only worried about being sent to prison, but somehow it all worked out. About a couple of weeks I lived with a neighbor, so I have not eaten so well yet. She fed me so well, washed me, put me to bed. Although Mrs. Friendly was old, she was adept at handling children. She lived alone, maybe that's why she paid all her attention only to me. My mother was jealous. Imagine, even though she didn't take care of me, she was jealous of my grandmother, and when I got better, she took me home again. I remember the scandal. The neighbor did not want to give me away, scolded my mother for her behavior, but she did not want to hear criticism. She said that I was her son, and she knew how to treat me. So she took me. My mother had taken another job, and now she was almost always gone. 
At this time, I ran to Mrs. Friends to eat and sleep. We had a great time. I loved her probably more than my mother. Agree. Whatever the mother was, the child still loves her, just a little less. Despite all the conditions, I grew up. And when it was time to go to school, my mother, of course, did not give me away. And then the whole nightmare started. So men started coming to our house. They were unfamiliar to me. My mother usually made me sit in the hallway at this time. I could sit there for hours. And only then I began to run her way to the neighbor. Phoebe didn't know we were still in touch, because I knew she was against it. I could spend half a day or half a night at Mrs. Friendly's without Phoebe noticing that I wasn't there. And then I would run to my seat when a man came out, and I would pretend to sit there all the time. The neighbor was shocked by what was happening, but could not do anything. And when I turned 14, I was determined to run away from home. I didn't know where to go, and I shared all my secrets with Mrs. Friendly. She begged me to stay with her, but I couldn't, because Phoebe would have found me. One day a neighbor talked to my mother, offered to take me away for upbringing, like she would take care of me, but my mother went berserk. I didn't understand why she needed me, because she was still indifferent to my existence. To which Mrs. Friendly replied that deep down in her heart, she probably hated herself for being such a mother, but she had buried herself too deep, and it was very difficult to get out. And I was only a small memory of a better life for her, for which there is no hope anymore. Then I definitely decided that it was time for me to leave. And then Mrs. Friendly came up with a clever idea. What if I changed my face? This would give me the opportunity to live with her, have a roof over my head, and most importantly, I would get what I wanted, care and moreover, I would no longer have to hide from my mother. But how to do it? The operation was unthinkable because it was expensive and I needed my mother's permission. Besides, it's going to take a hell of a long time. Then we found a faster and more painless way. Makeup. It was lucky that Mrs. Friendly had worked as a theater cleaner before, and she had good friends with makeup artists from there. In just an hour, they made a different person out of me. I changed my style of dress, put lenses in my eyes, tried to walk a different gait. I had my hair dyed a different color, but most importantly, with the help of cosmetics, I had a different face. I didn't recognize myself when I looked in the mirror, and I was very happy. Mrs. Friendly spread the news that her granddaughter was visiting her indefinitely while her daughter was abroad. Everyone believed her, because they knew that she really had a grown-up daughter. And I stupidly packed up and left, leaving a note for my mother not to look for me. I wrote that I left in search of a better life, without her. I was not sorry, especially since I had the opportunity to observe her life out of the corner of my eye. At first, she excited the neighbors, asked her for help to raise money to arrange a search, but the initiative lasted about two hours, after which another man came to her and she closed the apartment door. And I was relieved to be at Mrs. Friendly's, to have a new home, a family, and a quiet life. I helped Mrs. Friendly do the housework, cooked the food, she taught me that, cleaned up. And then they gave me documents in a different name and I finally went to school. I was very late in my years, but it didn't bother me. Better late than never. Mrs. Friendly got a good pension, benefits for the bills, and when I was on vacation, I worked part-time at a cafe, then at a car wash. This money was enough for us to live. It took about 1.5 months and I came home from school. On the way up in the elevator, my mother came to see me. Wearily, she named the floor and then greeted me. I know you, you're Mrs. Friendly's grandson, right? She asked. I just nodded my head, and she went on as if she were talking to herself. And I lost my son, or rather he ran away from me. I'm not a very good mother, I know, but I can't help it. He's about your age and even looks a bit like you. He's a nice boy, but I don't deserve him, so I'm not looking for him. 
wherever he is. He's better off there than with me, she said, as if exhaling, and I noticed the tears in her eyes. Her words made me uneasy, and I had no idea how to react. And then we arrived, and I got out of the elevator, and my mom said, If you see him, tell him I'm sorry, she concluded, as if she knew it was me. I paused for a moment, then continued down the hall. I told Mrs. Friendly about it, and she smiled and asked if I wanted to visit my mother, but I said no. If I hadn't gone missing, she wouldn't have said those words. Even though I felt sorry for her too, I couldn't find the strength to forgive her, nor did she ask for it. We'd been neighbors for a couple of years now, and I'd continued to grow, study, and take care of Mrs. Friendly. I made friends and my life changed, and then I learned the sad news. There was an ambulance at the entrance. I thought it was for us and was very scared, and then I found out that she had come to my mother. I ran into the apartment for the first time in so many years. It was terrible. Dirty, dusty, there was a terrible smell, and my mother was lying on the floor. She was barely breathing. I pushed the doctors aside and ran to her. I wanted to cry. I was afraid. My hands were shaking, and I wanted to cry. I asked, what's wrong with you? And my mother said, forgive me if you can, and closed her eyes. My mother left me a letter that said, I know it's you, and I was happy to see you living next to me and doing well. I'm sorry. I love you. I'll leave the apartment to you and Mrs. Friendly, Mom. I read the letter right after her funeral. She died of an overdose. Most of all, I was uneasy at the thought that she knew it was me and did not even try to return it. She just let me go. Maybe she's not such a bad mother after all, do you think? I've forgiven her, and they don't hold grudges against the dead. But I'm sorry too. What's life like for Ken Takashi? Picture this. Born into the gold-gilded but ice-cold arms of a wealthy family in Tokyo. They're youngest of four and the butt of all their cruel jokes. Ah, oh, little Kenny. My eldest brother Hiro would smirk. Always with his nose in a book. As if that would replace real-life experience. Cut him some slack. Maki, my sister, would chime in. Her voice dripping with forced sweetness. He's only preparing for his exciting career as a librarian. Yeah. Or an encyclopedia salesman. The third tormentor Kazuki would laugh. My siblings. God's gift to comedy. Just not the funny kind. Love? Nah. Don't have the time or the patience. I would tell my reflection in the mirror. Truth was, in the grand production of my life, I was both the tragic hero and the laughing stock. That was until the curtains rose on Asami. High school was where I met her. Asami. A girl whose spirit made even my stark life seem colorful. Ken, you're different, but in a good way, she said on our first meeting, her eyes sparkling with sincerity. Different? Yeah, I get that a lot, I'd said, a hint of self-deprecating humor tinging my voice. I would often joke, I'm like a limited edition comic book. Rare, misunderstood, and sadly, not everyone's cup of tea. But that's what makes you special, Ken, Asami countered, always the eternal optimist. She brought joy and warmth into my frosty existence, and like a moth to a flame, I was drawn to her. Dare I dream? Dare I think that love may actually be on the cards for this loner? I remember asking my lonesome self. But then, reality bit, and it bit hard. Enter stage left, Rena the dutiful daughter of my father's influential business partner and the unwilling co-star in my life's drama. Ken, my father announced one day, you're marrying Rena. It's for the family, son. Duty, the one script I could never rewrite. Asami, I... The words got caught in my throat. How do you explain that your love story just got axed in the season finale for a spin-off nobody asked for? 
Fast forward a few years, I was knee-deep in a loveless marriage, a job that demanded my soul and a daughter, Miho, who was fast becoming a stranger. Guess it's another dinner for one tonight, I would joke to the empty house. The echo would somehow make it less funny. As I waded through the sea of my mundane life, the thoughts of Asami became my life raft. I wonder what she's doing now. Probably adding color to someone else's life. I'd muse, scrolling through her social media. Asami, living her dream. And me, dreaming my life away. Ah, my siblings. Let's not forget them. Look at Ken, living the high life where we would scrape through. Hero would snap during our rare meetings. The irony, of course, was lost on them. My fortune was my cage, and I was the golden bird, shackled and silenced. In the grand scheme of things, a dysfunctional family was just the tip of the iceberg of problems. Here I was, just a successful businessman, thrust into the world of spite and jealousy. They detested me. The reason? I'd inherited most of our family fortune. And suddenly, family dinners felt more like court hearings. It was another ordinary day. Or so I thought. I was juggling a flurry of emails, dealing with stock market projections when my phone rang. A call from an unknown number. Mr. Takashi. The voice on the other end snarled, setting my heart into overdrive. He claimed he had Rina and Miho. He demanded a hefty ransom, or else. The fear in his words was palpable, even infectious. Oh joy, I thought, though the adrenaline pumping through my veins begged to differ. Panicked, I transferred the ransom faster than a teenager typing out a tweet. A torrent of relief washed over me when I was done. Problem solved, right? I muttered to myself. A couple of days later, my phone rang. It was a call from my contact at the bank, Haruto, a guy whose humor was as dry as the desert. He had called to share an intriguing piece of information, that the account to which I had transferred the ransom money belonged to an aspiring actor. I was struck with a wave of bewilderment. Actors now kidnap people? Is it because all the good roles were taken? <laughs> I tried to laugh it off but the pieces of the puzzle began fitting together in a way I wish they wouldn't. Investigating further, I discovered that this actor, in fact, was recently hired by my daughter, Miho, for a school project. The dots were connecting, painting a picture I would rather not see. But the most crushing blow was yet to come. While wrestling with the newfound revelations, I got a call from an anonymous tipster. The unknown voice claimed to be a member of my family's staff, driven by guilt to spill the truth. It was an orchestration, a vile plot woven by the people I called my family. They staged the kidnapping, employed the actors, and then had planned to play victim. I had been outsmarted, outplayed, betrayed. A feeling of being ice cold and on fire at the same time swept over me. And then came the media storm. I woke up one day to find myself the villain in my own life story. Splashed across newspapers and television screens, the tale of my corruption, abuse, and fraudulent behavior was the hot gossip in town. Waking up to a tabloid symphony of my public humiliation wasn't exactly the highlight of my life. News alerts buzzed on my phone like angry bees. I picked it up, the reality of my situation settling in. Ken Takashi, abusive father, business tycoon, or fraud? And Takashi's money laundering scheme exposed. The morning news had never tasted so bitter. Losing my job was a punch to the gut. When they handed me the pink slip, I said, Hey, at least I'll get to try out being unemployed. The HR guy didn't seem to appreciate my humor. Guess I was the only one laughing in the face of public humiliation. Just when I started to accept my starring role in this real-life nightmare, my phone buzzed. Asami, she asked, You okay? I've been better. Lost my job public enemy number one, the usual stuff. 
How's your day going? My attempt at sarcasm was as bitter as the black coffee I was sipping. Asami was a godsend. She brought a calm to my storm, pushing me to fight back. Ken, you can't let them get away with this. You have to stand up for yourself, she'd tell me, her voice the grounding I needed. Then there was Daiki. Stern, poker-faced Daiki. As the detective assigned to my case, he was more impassive than a stone statue. I'm just doing my job, Takashi, he said, poring over the files piled over his desk. And your job seems to be turning up as suspect number one. But as we sat down over many cups of terrible office coffee, Daiki started to question the narrative being sold. There are inconsistencies in the testimonies, he admitted one day. And the evidence, it's too convenient. My relief must have shown because he quickly added, Don't get too comfortable, Takashi. It doesn't mean you're off the hook. It just means I'm not buying their story. Yet. With Asami on my side and Daiki slowly turning from suspicion, we began to unravel the sordid plot that had landed me here. Every new piece of evidence, every hidden truth was a shocking revelation. One evening, I found myself standing in front of a mirror, looking at the stranger staring back at me. All right, Ken. It's you against the world. Showtime. I'd always enjoyed a good mystery, but being pulled in the middle was not as thrilling. As Daiki and I dug deeper, we discovered a puppeteer pulling the strings behind the scenes. Someone had made me the antagonist of this tragic opera. Who would hate me enough to go to these lengths? The list wasn't exactly short. There was a club of people I'd pissed off in my past, but none seemed to fit the bill. My life was spiraling, but amidst the chaos, I had an epiphany. Perhaps I could reinvent myself. I'd always fancied being an entrepreneur. So what better time than now, when I'd nearly lost everything? And just because I was down didn't mean I was out. I decided to take my story to the people. I launched a YouTube channel, Life According to Ken. Each video a rebuttal to their baseless accusations, a chance to reveal the evidence I'd found. One day, I said to my camera, Today, let's talk about trust and betrayal, and how they're as close as twins but couldn't be more different. I shared my side of my story, peppered with my signature wit and occasional dad jokes. My subscribers started to grow, and so did the public's interest in my case. I got creative, embedding clues within my videos, breadcrumbs that led viewers closer to the invisible hand behind all of this. The comment section turned into a virtual detective agency, and they were as eager as Daiki to crack the case. In all of this, I felt a strange sense of purpose. Even as I fought my battles, I was making a difference with my online platform. And perhaps, just maybe, getting closer to finding the architect of my downfall. One night, while I was at dinner with Asami, she confessed something. Everyone is saying that I should be staying away from you. My friends, my family, even my fans. I raised an eyebrow, a sardonic smile on my face. Oh, so the court of public opinion has spoken, has it? Ken, I'm serious. They think you're bad news, and there's something else. I can't help but wonder, are you using me as a distraction from all this? She gestured vaguely around her. I looked at her, speechless for a moment. Then, taking a deep breath, I said, Asami, the only way I'm using you is to keep myself sane in this insane situation. You make me feel like I can get through this. Meanwhile, I was dealing with a snake in the grass in Daiki's team. Someone was spilling the beans to the puppet master of this whole damn circus. Unveiling the traitor became a thrilling part of my unfolding saga. During a YouTube livestream, I told my viewers, You know, there's something particularly cinematic about discovering a mole in your team. A nice dash of suspense, don't you think? Then, out of the blue, an ex-con entered the scene. Another blast from the past, carrying the weight of a grudge against my siblings. One day, he showed up with a piece of information that could potentially reveal the identity of the mysterious puppet master. Ken, he grumbled, I've got my own axe to grind. 
Seems like our enemies might be the same. Bingo, I muttered as the pieces fell into place. The puppet master, the architect of my ruin, was none other than Rena's father. The revelation was like a punch right into my gut. I went to his house, ready to confront him. I did it all for my boy, he confessed, a twisted satisfaction in his eyes. He lost everything because of you, Ken. His business, his life. I felt a flare of anger. All that over a business deal? I snapped, bitterness seeping into my tone. You decided to play God with our lives because your son couldn't take a professional setback? Yes! He hissed, and I'd do it again. Thankfully, Daiki picked the perfect moment for a dramatic entry. Well, you won't get the chance to, he announced with handcuffs in his hand. As my name cleared and my life began its climb out of the trenches, my relationship with my estranged daughter saw a ray of light. I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't want any of this. And yet, it happened. <sighs> I sighed, choosing forgiveness. Because what else do you do when you're a father? And then there was Asami, the woman who'd seen me at my worst my best, and all the ridiculous moments in between. It was during a live stream on my YouTube channel when I decided to pop the question. Okay, guys, I began, my heart pounding. I'm doing something I've never done before. Asami, will you marry me? She said yes, and we sealed it with a kiss. Our followers erupted into a virtual applause. The comment section was a blur of congratulatory messages. I kept working on my online learning platform, turning it into a venture that not just turned profits, but changed lives. The YouTube channel became a platform for truth, for stories, for occasional rants, and a lot of bad jokes. I decided to cut off my siblings and my ex-wife. I did not even want to confront them. It was pointless. As for my daughter, I tried to rebuild our relationship as much as I could, and it was blossoming into a strong bond. Was I a happy man? You bet. In the face of adversity, I found my purpose in love. It was a wild ride, and honestly, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Ava was an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. A brilliant mind, cleverly disguised by a facade of charming naivety. She had learned from an early age that her intellect often intimidated others, especially the opposite gender. So, she chose to hide it. Ava's days revolved around codebreaking, encrypted languages, and complex algorithms. Her work required her to think like a supercomputer, but outside her office, she was just a regular girl. This evening was no different. Ava found herself on a date with Dave at her favorite Italian restaurant. Dave was a handsome firefighter who had no clue about her secret genius. As Dave shared anecdotes of daring rescues and dangerous fires, Ava would gasp at the right moments, her eyes wide with astonishment. She was convincingly playing her part. Ava navigated her secret life with precision, never revealing too much, always maintaining an air of simplicity and naivety. Her facade was her sanctuary and her curse. One day, Ava's secret life was threatened. She received a complex encrypted message at work. It was a cybersecurity threat to her company, and only she could decipher it. She spent hours solving the code, oblivious to the time. By the time she finished, it was way past dinner and she had stood Dave up for a movie date. Ava quickly sent an apology to Dave, citing work issues for her absence. She felt guilty but was too embroiled in her work to think about it in detail. The next day, Dave confronted Ava, demanding an explanation for her erratic behavior. She made up a story about a hard day at work, hoping to pacify him. To Ava's surprise, Dave was not only pacified but also intrigued. 
he encouraged her to open up. This was the first time she had to consider revealing her secret. Ava hesitated. She had lived this lie for so long, it had become her identity. But a part of her craved to be seen, to be loved for who she truly was. That night, she decided to tell Dave the truth, shedding her false identity. She decided to reveal her intellect, hoping to find acceptance in Dave's eyes. When she told him, the initial shock on Dave's face unsettled her. She had expected disappointment, fear, or even anger. But what she saw was awe and admiration. Dave respected her more for her intellectual prowess. He was humbled by her modesty and charmed by her brilliance. Ava felt a new sense of liberation. In Dave, Ava found an ally, someone who accepted her for who she was. He didn't just love her despite her genius, he loved her because of it. Ava began to realize that her fear of revealing her true self had been holding her back. She wanted to live her life freely, not disguised under a false identity. Slowly, she started embracing her genius in front of others. She revealed her intellectual capacity to her friends, family, and eventually, her co-workers. It was a difficult transition, but Ava was relentless. She was surprised by the support and acceptance she received. Her fears began to recede, replaced by newfound confidence. Ava was no longer living a lie. She felt liberated, true to herself. Her genius was no longer a secret, but something she was proud of. Dave stood by her side through this transition, his love unwavering. They grew closer, their bond strengthening with each revelation about Ava's genius. Ava's life evolved in ways she hadn't imagined, she was respected and adored for her strength of mind. Her intellect was now her most attractive feature. Ava went on to excel in her career, using her genius for the betterment of her company. She became an inspiration for other women, who admired her courage and talent. Ava's story became a testament to embracing one's uniqueness. She demonstrated that hiding one's true self only limits one's potential. Ava was no longer the hidden genius, she was simply a genius. Dave and Ava's relationship bloomed over time, they respected each other's strengths and supported each other's weaknesses. Their love story was one of acceptance and authenticity. Ava's journey taught her that playing dumb does not make someone more attractive. It's one's intellect, kindness, and authenticity that truly matter. She vowed never to hide her true self again. Ava's story is a reminder that pretending to be someone you're not will only lead to discontent. Embrace your unique qualities, no matter how different they may seem. Authenticity is the key to genuine happiness. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 